welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers. Uh, this is the official podcast of the Sheffield Board Games Club. I'm Rick. I'm joined today by Scott. Hi, Scott. Hello, Rick. Hello, Hello everybody hi. out there. Hi, we're both members of the of the club. Uh, we haven't been playing games at all recently. <laughs> uh, the odd one here and there, but uh, yeah, the club's not meeting still at the moment. So, you uh, you've been playing many games, Scott. I guess for the last the last month, uh, it's picked up a little bit as lockdowns eased. We have had uh, a few people round, and uh, me and my my good lady have also played 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 several games. Um, right. So yeah, but up until a month ago, literally, I think March was the last time I'd played a board game. Yeah, same, same for me really. We've uh, I've been playing with my wife Tracy and uh, played a couple of our online games, but uh, yeah, no, no, nothing else apart from that. So we have, we have played a couple of games though that we're going to talk about. Uh, so we'll, we'll go through those in a second. Uh, we've we also got um, a question of the week as well. It's uh, six player games, so we're going to have a have a quick chat about them. Bit of, a bit of news first, though. Uh, just something I saw on, uh, on one of the websites. I don't know if you've seen this, Scott. Is uh, League of Legends uh, Riot Games, who do League of Legends? They did a game probably a few years ago now, two or three years ago, which was uh, Mechs versus Minions. It was a really good game, really nice production, loads of miniatures. They've announced that they're actually releasing a new one. So they've got a new one coming out. Uh, this one's going to be called Tellstones, King's Gambit. And it's a, a, it looks like it's a much smaller game. It's not much information yet, but um, it should be coming out soon. Um, it's kind of a bluffing game where you get like stones in front of you and they've got runes on the bottom of them and you flip them over and you try and out bluff your opponents. So it looks, looks quite interesting. I'm hoping that it's going to be it's going to be a good game because the last one was was really good. So it's not going to have that massive over uh, you know overblown production that Mechs versus Minions has got with the custom inserts and things like that. It's a much smaller a much smaller game, but it looks like a it's like it's going to be a good one. Hopefully, want to keep an eye on at least. Um, Sounds interesting. Uh, I've seen Mechs versus Minions, but I've never never played it. But I've always been impressed with the way it looks on the table. Yeah, yeah. I think a few people at the club played it when we were still playing, um, and it's, it comes in a massive box and it's got custom inserts and you know, like really nice like crystal pieces, like crystals that you push around the map and stuff. It, it's fantastic production. Uh, and, and I think, as far as I know, you can only order it directly from Riot Games as well. It's not you, you don't buy it in the stores. You can't get it off Amazon or anything like that. You just buy it directly from them. So that allows them to take it take on board a, a bit of the, uh, of the of the expense that you'd usually pay in a board game. So they put it all into the production. So even though it's a it's a big box full of full of stuff, it's still quite a reasonable price. But um, yeah, this this looks like a good one. So tell, tell Stones King's Gambit is called. Um, I was interested because um, I don't know if you've come across uh, Nemesis. Mm. Uh, it's kind of been and the the late pledge has just opened up for for the sequel, and obviously you can get the the original game, which has been one of those notoriously hard to find Kickstarter specials. Uh, right, yeah. uh, I had a brief look because the subject matter is right up my alley. It's pretty much Aliens, the board game. Mm. Uh, but I had a look at the prices, and it's it's just extortionate, I think, at that point. <laughs> um, so we're, we're still umming and ahhing. It, it's a case of do I go for that or a new barbecue? Is uh, <laughs> possibly a new car? That's know? a that's a difficult decision. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. That um, is it. One of those Kickstarters that's got loads of stuff included with it, like expansions and extra figures and. It's very much typical Kickstarter. Lots of plastic that you don't yeah. necessarily need. There's a lot. There's a lot of game there by all accounts. Um, yeah, yeah. Even if uh, the, the kind of one complaint I've heard is that it's a little bit fiddly and a little bit clunky. But mm. um, again, that's third-hand knowledge, even to me. So, yeah. But the theme is right up my alley. So. Yeah, yeah. It does. Uh, it does sound good. And uh, yeah, I like the theme and everything of the of the aliens kind of invading the ship and trying to get out and things like that. 
Yeah, I backed a couple of things on Kickstarter as well. I saw Zelly Dix, who was on the podcast last week. She's got a new Kickstarter, which is the Cracker Games. So these are uh, games that you can play over the Christmas holidays, and it's, it's like a cracker um, that's got six games included inside it, and it's also got like a few jokes and uh, puzzles and a few bits and bobs as well. But that seemed quite a reasonable, uh, a reasonable price. So it's like twenty-five quid, I think, for six, six Christmas games that you can play once you've had your, once you've had your turkey and your stuffing. <laughs> yeah, always good for for things like that because one, I don't think there's many Christmas themed games. I think I own one, which. Mm which isn't a great percentage of my collection. <laughs> um, but but stuff that can, you can play um, after Christmas dinner with the family who aren't necessarily gamers. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, even, even Monopoly is a stretch for some of them. Is, is uh, Stuff like that's always always welcome, I think, and I'm mm. always kind of looking out for things like that because although I like heavier stuff, the stuff I play most is probably Gateway, possibly marginally heavier. That's the stuff mm. I play two or three times a week, or at least I did in the before times. Okay, so uh, on to the games then. So we've been playing a few games, like I said, recently. One of the games that I've played is a game called Majesty. Uh, this is kind of a, a kind of smallish game by Mark Andre, and he's the guy who uh, designed Splendor. So this is a family game that plays two to four players, takes between 20 and 40 minutes. And it's a game about uh, recruiting characters to go into your realm. So you've got each player's got uh, some realm cards in front of him. So eight realm cards, and each of these are uh, buildings. And then there's a central row of characters that you can recruit into your buildings. So uh, they're all color coded. So your bakers go into your yellow buildings, which is your your bakery, and you've got like princesses that go into your castles and things like that. So it's a it's a case of recruiting these characters, put them into your buildings, but then they'll do they'll score some points or they'll have like a little special ability or some kind of little trick that that happens. So, like your princesses, for example, they score five points for every princess you've already got in your in your castle already. So by the time you get your third or fourth one, you're counting how many cards you've got of that type, and you get that many points. So you might get 15, 20 points depending on how many you've got on there. Um, your bakers score depending on what what the characters you've got. You've got knights which can attack the other players, and you've got defender defender cards like soldiers which can uh, defend you from the knights. So uh, you, you you're playing this game and, you, and you're getting points. Uh, the points are really nice. They're like little tokens, so the little like uh, chips that you collect with their numbers on. So they're they're quite cool, and it does build build up quite a lot. So you can get quite a lot of points when you start getting towards the end of the game. But it's a really it's a really quick game. Um, you only get 12 cards. Each player gets 12 cards each, 12 characters to put into their realm. So if you imagine if you're playing like a two-player game, that's not many cards that you go in between uh, between all the players. So you uh, once you've got your 12th card, you add up all your points, and then there's a few bits of end scoring. So at the end, you get uh, points for a majority. So if you count how many cards you've got in each location, and then whoever's got the most will get a few points for that particular location. You do that for each of the, each of the locations. And then there's also a bonus points for variety as well. So if you've got, uh, you, you count how many different types of cards you've got up to the seven, and then you uh, square it. So if you've only got three different card, different three different colors of cards in your tableau, you get three times three, which is nine points. But if you've got all seven, if you've got at least one in each slot, you can get quite a few points that way. So 49, seven times seven, 49 points. So it's a, it's a, it's, there's a few different tactics that you can use, uh, a few different strategies. Do you go for the, um, do you go for the higher scoring cards, and do you try and, you know, build up a bit of defense in case you, uh, your opponent starts attacking you, 
Um, do you go for the cheaper cards, the the less cards that kind of build up to a bigger thing? So it's a it's quite a fairly straightforward game. Probably not quite as simple as Splendor, I would say. It's probably slightly more complicated than that, but it is it is like a family weight game and, and fairly light. Uh, and like I say, it is really quick. We we've played it we've played it at the club three and four player, and then we've played it two player with Tracy, and it works it works equally well at all player counts. Um, from from the central row, you take out some of the cards if you're playing with fewer players. So if you're playing like with the, the entire you know the entire deck with four players, and you'll play with like half of them with a, with a two player. The only criticism I've got is the uh, chips themselves. I think they come in ones, twos, and then ones, twos, and tens. So there's no fives, which is a bit weird. <laughs> so you're you kind of make and change a little bit, you know, when you get like two or three, uh, and there's not quite enough coins to go around it. It's a bit it's a bit fiddly that way. Sometimes you have to put a few you know ones and twos back and get changing for 25s or something but other than that it's a it's a really fun game it's uh, quite enjoyable to play it's um it, it's not not like massively complicated but it's uh, quick enough that it's kind of over before you know before you've got bored of it kind of thing so um that's a uh, majesty for the realm have you played that one scott i have indeed yeah it's a it's a, it's a very good game originally uh, i thought it was going to be based on the old rts majesty game but it really isn't been here a long time um but yeah no it's a very very good game uh, i think it's probably slightly easier to get into than splendor oh, I, think, I think so yeah. i think mechanically it's it's much more the people i've played with at work who are, again aren't necessarily board gamers have found majesty much easier to pick up than splendor ah, interesting, yeah. uh, I, I don't know if that says, says very much but it's definitely <laughs> definitely, definitely the case um, I, think, I think there's a bit more theme and there's a bit more to it isn't it it's a bit more there's a bit more interest in, in Majesty than there is Splendor. Splendor, you're just collecting cards, aren't you? And, and you use, it's got you those, those nice chips, but this is a bit more, I don't know, a bit more interest to it, I think. I, I think the more the more, the, the, the more varied strategies that are open, because mm. certainly at least at least one person I play with regularly is uh, all about the knights and all trying to kill everybody else. Oh, yeah. So then yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody else at the table knows this, so guards become really high value and in demand. Yeah, pretty much know what he's going to do with his scorched earth policy. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tracy, had that, uh, as much as stop everybody else from winning. Yeah, I, I always we always play a kind of friendly games like Carcassonne, you know, the friendly version where you don't attack each other or take over anything. So we we played like the friendly game, and then all of a sudden Tracy started getting all the red knights, and I'm like, hang on a second, I'm, <laughs> I've got four guys in the infirmary, I need to do something about this. And yeah, it's kind of tactical in that you have to counteract what your opponents are doing, isn't it? You can see how many cards they've got in each of the locations, and there's a bit of, you know, keeping an eye on what everybody else is doing to you, to you go def- for the majorities and things like that. You definitely have to be a little bit aware of what other mm-hmm. what other people are doing. Um, oh, what, what? I, I think the other thing that's interesting is the the the, the kind of tableau cards your your mm. village buildings are all a double sided. Oh, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you flip them over, and the scoring and the mechanics work slightly differently on the other mm. side, and that adds a a good amount of of variable replayability. So that's uh, Majesty, yeah, a good game. So what what you've been playing? Uh, what you've been playing, Scott? What you've been up to? We'll start off with 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 a game that's got uh, got a lot a lot of a lot of fans here, and that's uh, Chronicles of Crime. It's mm. been a bit on the shelf for a little bit, and I'm usually one for avoiding games that involve apps or or things like that, uh, generally because I spend half my life looking at a screen, <laughs> and having an app involved in a board game is taking something away from it. 
but the VR element of it, the VR goggles, or just the, just the using your phone to look around a crime scene to find clues, in this instance works really well. The scanning of the QR codes to get the bits of story to read out, I think, isn't as intrusive as I thought it might have been. Mm-hmm. The game game itself, I think, plays up to four players. I'd say it probably shines better at two because largely that other than discussing things there's not really a lot going on mm. it's it's more about proceeding through the story figuring out the clues and and solving a crime uh, you've got the, the specialist you can scan there's a forensic scientist and a criminologist and a hacker to go and do people's phones but it, again it's largely you you're just handling a few cards. The interesting thing with the game is the app drives all the story. The the game itself, what's in the box, is literally a bunch of very generic suspects, locations, items, special items that all have just QR codes on. Uh, mm. So in any game, you might use... They're all numbered, they're all individually numbered, and you might use the same same suspect cards so there's possibly i think 50 or 60 or something of them but they will reoccur in different cases but have completely different context uh, so you're just reusing the components to tell different stories there's a there's a lot shipped with the base game there's a lot of community made stuff and some of it's really really good mm-hmm. and i think there's a couple of expansions as well but we've not got got that far into it it's kind of crime solving procedural crime shows are a big hit on the TV here. And it mm. does feel an awful lot like, like one of those mm. compared to, I think some of it's stuff like Sherlock Holmes, consulting detective and detective modern crime. I think it's definitely a, a step down the more accessible ladder, but mm. for me and the kind of people I play with more often than not, that actually is a, is a massive hit. Yeah. Uh, me and Tracy have played this one as well. Yeah. We played it two player. And uh, yeah, it's a brilliant game. It's really good. Uh, we really like the story of it and, you know, piecing the clues together and you kind of interview people, don't you? You can ask them about certain things by pointing the scanner at like what you want to ask them about. It, it does really make you feel like, you know, you're investigating a proper, you know, something's happened and we need to get to the bottom of what's happened. But I quite like how it's a bit. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Sherlock Holmes. It doesn't actually tell you outright what's happened. You have to kind of piece it together yourself. That's the that's a great bit isn't it you have when it suddenly clicks and you say oh yeah but he was over here with this item and yeah he spoke to her and she said this and all that just really yeah it really it's really good fun i don't know if you've played there's one of the i don't know if it's one of the the kind of add-on free cases or or one of the ones you can download but it's written by the guy that is at least partly responsible for vampire the masquerade all right now and then it's set in that universe i Mm. can't remember what it's called but it's obviously got a an overarching vampirish theme and avoiding spoilers the story in that is is particularly excellent <laughs> and, and is that just using the best game then just using the standard uh, i think so yeah it's just a stand, standard right, thing cool. yeah uh, there's that one and there's one that's like about uh, like a, a cooking competition like master chef as well that's also also really well written <laughs> um, yeah i think both of those are either free downloads or, or were part of the kickstarter but they're in the All app right. anyway yeah yeah we had uh yeah we had a lot of fun with this uh, i've actually been looking at detective uh modern crime story have you seen that one yeah i've got that on the shelf shelf to play uh, we, you, tried, yeah. we tried yeah, sherlock yeah. holmes consulting detective mm. there's a an awful lot of text in it and for yeah. a dyslexic it's actually just too much so we, we've never really got very far with that one um mm. so the next one we try will be detective to see if that's any less painful on that front 
Yeah, I'd quite like to try that one. I've not seen it. I've not not uh, played it yet, but that looks like another in a similar vein, but a bit a bit more complicated, perhaps a bit longer of a game. Like you said, this one is quite accessible, isn't it? A lot of it is done through the app, so as opposed to Sherlock Holmes, which is reams and reams of text. At it, least it is, yeah, just like yeah, <laughs> a book it, full it's of, almost uh, the exact opposite. Case. Yeah, uh, there is actually a new one out. I was in um, went down to Patriot Games the other day, and there's a new one, a new Sherlock Holmes set out i don't know what they called it it's not an expansion it's like a standalone kind of thing but but it actually said on the back cover it said written by an english speaker so <laughs> i think they took on board that some of the criticisms that it might not have been you know a particular it might have been a little bit dense before and maybe simplified it a little bit i don't know but <laughs> it's interesting it actually said that on the back <laughs> so with uh, rach being being dyslexic mm-hmm. the, the walls of text are just just too much uh, right, next one from me then is a game called Crown of Amara. So I saw this um, on YouTube. I think somebody reviewed it on there, and it looked like the kind of game that I'd like. So I went ahead and bought this one. It's a, a typical kind of Euro game where you're getting resources and then converting those to points. Um, it's designed by Benjamin Schwer, and it's between one and four players, and takes between 45 and 75 minutes. So Crown of Amara. Um, there's basically two boards. There's a countryside board and there's a town board. And each board is split up into four sections. So there are eight sections in total. And you have a little uh, dude, a little um, standee that sort of goes on each board. So you have one on the countryside board and one on the town board. Uh, each player gets a deck of nine cards. And then you shuffle those up, draw three, and they'll allow you to do actions. And the actions are getting resources from the countryside, and then you can move the uh, move one of the meeples clockwise around one of the boards. So you can pick and choose which one you want to do. And then wherever it ends up, you do the action. So on the countryside, you can move your guy and then you can get more resources, which are like your typical kind of wheat, stone, wood, that kind of stuff. But on the countryside, uh, sorry, on the town side, um, you, you move your guy and then wherever he stops, he can do a particular action. So there's like a market action where you can go and spend some of your resources to get some points. You can go to the church, you can turn in your resources for books, and your books are going to be worth certain values of points. Um, there's a couple of others as well that's on there, several actions. And then also on the town side, there's like people that you can hire as well. And the people uh, are quite interested in that they'll give you a special ability or a special action as well that you can do. Uh, and again, these are like different things like converting resources at different rates or they'll give you free stuff when you do a particular action and things like that. So there's quite a lot of options, quite a lot of um, things that are available to do on your on your turn, quite a lot of stuff that you can, they can actually do. Um, the scoring track, there's actually two scoring tokens on there for each player. You get like a little house token, which st- starts at like halfway down the track and then you get a little person um, scoring marker. And uh, the reason for that is that the... It's kind of thematic in that you're investing in the town. So when you invest in the town and you build buildings, the building marker goes up. But then when you're spending money at the local market and stuff like that and getting points, your little person marker goes up. So your score at the end of the game is whichever one is lowest. So you're trying to get them both up, you know, as much as you can. Uh, whichever one's at the bottom, of, you know, the lowest on the score track, that's your final, your final score. So it's quite interesting that you've got a balancing act. You've got stuff that you can do that will get you loads of points, but I really need to get my house one up against this turn because, you know, moving your person up isn't going to do you any good. You need to get your house one up or vice versa. So it's a little bit more involved with this one. It takes a little bit longer, but um, 
I think the iconography is quite good. It's got a lot of icons and sort of stuff that uh, you know on the cards that tell you what you can do and what you can't, what you can't do, and things like that. The when you're moving around on the board, it, it tells you on the board the actions that you can do and how much it costs you and things like that. So that's quite that's quite well well constructed. Um, I, I think if you like this kind of game, you probably would like it. If you if you don't like the kind of you know um, standard euro kind of <laughs> collecting resources and collecting points thing i think you might find it a little bit boring uh, i don't think it's going to be for everybody but uh, we really enjoyed it we played it at two player um at two player it plays in well under an hour probably like 45 minutes i would say um i think it's going to take longer with with four players like a, like i say it might go up to like 75 minutes for the for the four player one but um yeah it's quite quite smooth playing it's quite um quite a lot of interesting choices you get on your turn you know there's loads of stuff you can do you can pretty much do anything on your turn that you want to do so it's your choice of how you're gonna how you're gonna efficiently work so that you can you know you get the points that you need yeah so uh, it's quite a good one um probably not fantastic and not something that you pl- want to play all the time but if you like this kind of thing stuff that so uh, yeah it's a good one so that's uh crown crown of Emara. excellent sounds sounds all right I'm always, always intrigued by these scoring mechanisms where where you score your your most neglected thing. Mm, yeah, it, it it is quite interesting because you you they, they actually score at different rates, so your housing points are, are more difficult to get, but you don't get quite as many, which is I think why it starts up you know slightly little track. But you kind of you can't just concentrate on one thing. You can get loads of points by just doing one thing, but you can't do that because it, you know you're neglecting something else then. So you've got to pick two things to, to concentrate on and, and possibly more. So yeah, like I said, there's a lot to think about and a lot to, a lot to puzzle over to get, you know, to get your, get your points in there. But yeah, it's a good one. Uh, not much, uh, not much conflict either on this one. There's no, there's no like stealing resources or anything like that. You can, you can sort of block people from, from certain spaces and things like that, but no, no direct, you know, conflict or anything like that. It's just purely uh, the most efficient person will probably get the most points. I'm all for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yes, yeah, good one. I enjoyed it. And Tracy, Tracy quite liked it as well. She's not really a fan of these kind of games usually, but she did say that she liked this one. So yeah, a win, a winner that one. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds sounds good. So I'll carry on with. Uh, we're having a bit of a bit of a run with dinosaur games lately. So both Tiny Epic Dinosaurs and Dinogenics have, uh, have both uh, okay. been on the table. Yeah. Very very different games. Mm. Um, with 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 similar themes. So I'll, I'll go with Dinogenics. Um, I think the expansions and the second print run have just just kind of hit hit the the real world. But it is basically Jurassic Park the board game. You're <laughs> building fences and breeding dinosaurs and making sure they don't eat the tourists. It, it is exactly as it sounds. I think it plays. I think it's got a solo mode, so between one one and five players. Mm. Uh, it's part worker placement. Um, part kind of hand management as far as mechanics kind of the game is is broken into phases so in the the first phase of the game you'll some some tourists will arrive uh you'll then allocate them to your to your hotels if you've got room in your hotels and you've built extra hotels you then have a little worker placement bit which allows you to get food for your dinosaurs build pens for them and Mm -hmm. the building of pens is really neat because it's a little bit um, Catan-like in that you have little little walls to construct pens and uh, gapped punch boards so you can make them into more interesting shapes than just a square because obviously <laughs> the bigger dinosaurs need bigger space. Mm. The herbivores you can lump in together, but the carnivores really don't want that. 
<laughs> so all, all the individual dinosaur species in it all have particular abilities. So like the Ankylosaur can go in with a with a with a T Rex because it's obviously armoured and the T Rex won't eat it. Um, so you kind of have this worker placement phase, and there's there's a little bit of the typical worker placement. You can block spaces, but there is there's also another mechanic. It's very similar to to Lords of Waterdeep's intrigue cards in that you can kind of get some cards to kind of mess with other people a little bit. And, and ultimately, if if by the end of all your worker placement phase, you then go into kind of a maintenance phase. So if you haven't got all your fences in place or you haven't got enough food to feed all your dinosaurs, you then get these rampage checks and then the dinosaurs <laughs> are out of control, demolishing fences, <laughs> heading for the nearest tourists. That sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't happen enough, Is, is would yeah. be my one complaint. Is it, Maybe, again, maybe it's the way that, that we, we play it, but we don't get a lot of, of rampages going out of control with, with dinosaurs because i think people tend to kind of err on the side of caution and and i, I suspect there's massive rewards to be had by being really dodgy and really risky <laughs> um, but but that's not how that's not happened yet but i'm hoping the expansions will, uh, will actually change that a little because I, I think there should be a bit more of that going on there's literally five movies about why dinosaur parks are a bad idea <laughs> yeah um, but it, it plays really nicely. It, it, it's an interesting mix of the worker placement to go and get your resources, uh, hand management to get the cards because you, 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 you build your dinosaurs by trading in cards. And again, you can wait for try a full set. I think of like three or four cards to build a T-Rex, or you can create like really low quality ones that don't score as much as a, as a, as a proper one, but you get them into your park and get more income quicker. So th- there's a lot going on and once it, it takes a lot of table space. But it really isn't as complicated as it looks on the on the table. Mm. Uh, once you've kind of been through one round through the four four or five phases, it it's kind of it all makes perfect sense. Mm. And uh, how are the dinosaurs represented? Are they cards or tokens, or um, do you get little meeples? Or they are little little wooden dinosaur oh, meeples. Oh, cool! <laughs> little, wooden, little wooden fences with with hashed black and yellow danger marks on them. Yeah. Uh, the buildings are just card tiles. And again, they form two 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 colours. There's kind of your facilities ones, which are on a grey background, and then there's some like viewing towers that are on a green background. that have to go into the the green bit of your park because each player has this park board with I think ten or so facility spaces, and then twenty or so park spaces. So again, again, where you put your buildings, the grey buildings can only go on in the park bit, the green ones in the green. Mm. Um, and again, things like you can build a, an aviary, which takes one of your green spaces, but it doesn't need to be fenced. And that's the only building that can host your flying dinosaurs, your pterodactyls. It's all really, really thematic. Each round, there's like a special event. There'd be something in, they, they do it as like a, almost like a news report. And it'd be have things like, oh, it's typhoon season. So most of your mm-hmm. fences get blown down or it's dinosaur mating season so all your dinosaurs are a bit naughtier than they would <laughs> it's it, 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 it's all really well put together and uh i think my pick of the dinosaur games is, is dynogenics I've, I've heard good things about it yeah it's uh it does sound good i've not actually played it but uh i played what's the other one uh dinosaur island dinosaur island yeah i played that one i enjoyed that it, it's very, very different to Dinosaur. Is it? Right. Despite subject matter being the same, yeah. the two games are almost almost nothing alike. Uh, okay. um, this much feel, feels much more like a Dinosaur Park tycoon game, mm. whereas I think Dinosaur Island is more about breeding the dinosaurs and the, the science-y bit. Mm. 
yeah, you're collecting DNA, I think, aren't you? I seem to remember. And I've only played it once. It was a while ago, but uh, yeah. Uh, and there's another, another dinosaur game as well you played? Uh, Tiny Epic say? Dinosaurs from the Tiny Epic people. Oh, these um, are the ones in little boxes, aren't they? Yeah, yeah it's a little, little footprint game. We took it on holiday because we were going to a place with a very small table. So those Tiny Epic games are, are worth the weight in gold. Mm. when you don't Because uh, Dinogenics, you probably need a, a kind of a full-size dining table. Mm. Uh, and then some uh, tiny epic dinosaurs literally play it on a coffee table. It's a, it's probably my favorite of the tiny epic games. It probably just edges out galaxies now. Um, All right, yeah. And again, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, di- it's a, rather than the dinosaur park, you are dinosaur breeders breeding dinosaurs to sell. So again, you go through a, it's a, it's a very light worker placement. You have five buildings, and you go and use them in various ways to get the various resources to breed dinosaurs and then they kind of all go into a holding area and then at the end of the end of each turn you then have to move them into your into your pens Uh, Mm -hmm. and again there's limitations on fences and placing which ones together Uh, every time you buy a dinosaur or, or breed one you have a dice which adds a certain amount of randomness most of the i think half 50 percent of the time there's there's this kind of no ill effect but mm. there's a there's a there's a kind of a one in six it's six-sided dice where you uh if if, the, if there's two of them in a pen you roll it you will sometimes get an extra free dinosaur <laughs> or you can it can have it so it eats the the handler so you lose one of your workers <laughs> um so the, there's these odd odd things that happen but when you're planning because you're really limited on you can only have one dinosaur per space mm. and if you've built a, a pen that's size three and you've got three in there already and you roll this dice adding the third one and you suddenly end up with a fourth one your plans go well and truly out the window so you then because <laughs> once things are in the park you can't move them yeah. so you then have to the idea you, you kind of there's some you have some private objective cards and some public ones and again at the end of this turn in this place uh this you have to take an action to be able to collect those cards to turn dinosaurs in to buy those points cards mm. and the only time you can do it is when you're putting them when you take that action to do that so mm. it, 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 it's kind of you've got to really plan plan your moves and then hope everything kind of goes the right way it rewards planning mm. Uh, but to get the high value card, you, you're kind of skating that very fine line between planning and, and courting chaos. <laughs> it's a lot crunchier than 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 you'd think for for a mm. game that one looks as as delightfully, brightly coloured and all nicely put together. Seventy odd tiny little wooden dinosaurs, which are very cute, mm. uh, and little fences. But it's, it's it's that very fine balance of you can do just enough but there's always a chance it's going to go horribly wrong. Yeah, it does seem to be a theme in these kind of dinosaur games, isn't it? Like you were talking about rampaging earlier on that other one, and, and this one, there's always a bit of a, a, bit of a risk involved. The, the game seems to enough. reward that really, really well. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good one. Yeah, I won't mind trying that one. It's uh, they, they always seem to do quite well, those kind of games. Those uh, I think some some are better than the, the others, but the tiny epic games, but um, they, all, they all kind of pack a lot of game into such a small, small little box, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I uh, played some of the other ones, and uh, yeah, I quite played, like the Galaxy really ones as well. as well, because Dynagenics is a, mm. a two-and-a-half-hour slugfest, right, yeah. and this is definitely half an hour, 40 minutes tops maybe with two players. Yeah. I don't think with four players it'd be, it'd be much longer, because there's some phases that get, the, the, fir- the first and the last phase is the collecting your resources and your housekeeping all happen simultaneously. Mm. There's only the worker placement bit in the middle that, 
that that uh, is one at a time in player yeah. order. So it keeps the play time down nicely. And mm. and does it does it go up to five players that one, or is it a four player game? Or? It's a four, I'm afraid. It's four, is it? Yeah, but it, I say it is it, right. for me. It is the pick pick of the the tiny epic games. Yeah, cool. Um, I think that's pretty much all the games for me. Any more that you want to talk about, or? Uh, I think I think you know, the two dinosaurs and Chronicles of Crime are probably as much as I've, <laughs> as I've played lately. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll move on to then the, to the uh, question of the week. This is uh, six play games. What are your favourite six play games? So uh, six play games c- can be a little bit tricky sometimes. If you've got six players that are all wanting to play the same game, you, you could always split up, couldn't you? Play a, a three and a three or a two and a four. Even There's some brilliant two-play games, so you could always do that. But uh, six-play games can be a little bit tricky, I find. Uh, yeah, I play with six players quite a lot. So mm. at work we have we have six players, and generally we all want to play the same thing. So yeah, it's kind yeah. of a, I tend to I do tend to keep an eye out for things that that play at six. Uh, and again, at various weights, because again, yeah. largely kind of gateway entry level stuff is is always always really good at that level. Yeah, I um, found there quite a lot of like party games and you know entry level games, so I didn't have any uh, trouble finding any of those. And there's quite a few you know decent uh, decent smaller games that fit that fix plays quite well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think the current the current favourites that that are outside of your code names and and things are mm. uh, Junkart is tremendous as a dexterity game. Uh, yeah, that's a good probably, one. Yeah, probably yeah. my favourite dexterity game. I think Junkart. Yeah. yeah, it is a good one. That yeah, yeah we uh, yeah we played Junkart the other day actually. It's just a two player, unfortunately, as as we mentioned, it's difficult to to get people to play with at the moment. But yeah, it works works well at uh, all player counts. Yeah. Uh, especially like the sharing ones as well, where you can like pass somebody, you know, a card or something, and they have to add it to their structure or vice versa, or you're all uh, building the same structure and stuff, and you, you, you know, you've got a choice of pieces. Oh, shall, I, shall I pass them this nice flat piece or this round piece? There's only one answer to that one when we play. <laughs> Give them the most awful thing based on what they've built so far. Yeah. So, so you mentioned code names. That's a good one. I think six is probably the minimum minimum that you need for that. Uh, but it does work really well at six because you've got the two teams of three then, haven't you? So you've got, yep. you know, the the perfect player count. It, go, it goes up to more. You can have more than, than that. But I think six would be is probably the best starting point for yeah. code names. Uh, Deep Sea Adventure is another one that plays six that gets a lot of a lot of love, even though most people end up scoring nothing when we play. Uh, I, uh, I'm not right keen on that one. <laughs> uh, I'll it, play it because it is quick and it's only you know it's only like or is it a 20 minute game something like that even? Yeah, probably not even that. Yeah, but that's the push look, pushy look one, isn't it? Where yeah, it's, it's a nice little treasure. filler to, to, to play yeah. in, in between between I, courses, I find. I, I do like the theme, uh, and I like pushy look games. But, yeah, I just found it a bit frustrating, that one, in that I always end up with nothing. <laughs> I think that's that's how it goes with most games. <laughs> I think it definitely rewards caution. Uh, you can score two points and can comfortably win. But it, it is always funny. It, it's, yeah, watching, it is, yeah. it's watching somebody go that step too far and everybody else turning around and stranding them at the bottom. It's yeah. I think quite like that. Yeah, yeah. you've got, you got your... Um... You got your um, social deduction games like your Avalon and your Werewolf and stuff like that. Uh, one, one game that I thought of was Werewords. Um, can't remember if I've talked about this one before, but Werewords is um, a word guessing game. It's like twenty questions where you got a mayor who knows a secret word and the other people are trying to guess it. But uh, the werewolves are the traitors. It's a traitor who's trying who knows what the word is and they're trying to steer people away from guessing it. So that's a that's a really good one. That's like a ten minute game. Um, six players of that is is absolutely fantastic. 
I'm not a huge fan of social deduction games, but I love where words yeah. uh, says something for it. I, I'm just not very good at social deduction. <laughs> no, I mean, um, <laughs> uh, but I find where words because it's a, a five minute game. There's, there's a timer usually involved uh, that it doesn't outstay its welcome, and you do have stuff to information to go on. And it's not just about reading people. Mm. And uh, I think with werewords as well, it's fun if you're the mayor, if you if you people are guessing, it's fun if you're a werewolf, it's fun if you're a villager and you're trying to guess the word. It's just yeah, it's just a, a really good one that one. I like that one. So something a little bit more, a little bit more involved then. I, I thought of like um, you know like uh, something that's a little bit longer or you know that people can get their teeth into a bit yep. more than a party game. Uh, one that I thought of is one that I probably mentioned quite often, which is Seven Wonders. Um, this is this really blew my mind when I first played it because you got you can play up to seven players uh, and you all play at the same time. It's all simultaneous, so you're all picking cards. There's no downtime waiting for six other players to go, which is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I didn't realise seven wonders was uh, six players. Yeah, yeah, it goes up to because three to seven, I think. So even at seven players, it's a it's a good game. Well, eight, I think, with the expansions as well. But um, yeah, uh, another, another one that I like is Razy Goblets. So again, this is kind of maybe on the border of party game, but raise your goblets. Each player gets like a, a plastic goblet in front of them, like a full-sized cup, <laughs> and you're trying to kill a certain person uh, who, el- who else is playing as well. You know who you're trying to kill, and they can see who you're. You, know, you can see who they're trying to kill. So it, it might be you, it might be somebody else, but you, you've got wine that you, which are represented by little little tokens little beads you've got wine which is harmless you've got poison which kills whoever drinks it and then you've got antidote which cancels out the poison so each turn you can you've got two actions and you can um put some token into a cup or you can swap cups with somebody else or you can rotate them around and it's a really nice like bluffing kind of guessing game where you're trying to read other people and you're trying to uh, not get caught out and it's it's quite funny and quite um quite tense at times as well e- each player gets like a little special ability as well you get like a character card that gives you one special ability uh so that makes it a bit interesting as well so uh, that, that's a good one raise your goblets if you've uh, if you've not tried that one yeah, it's a lot it's a lot of fun it's basically the drink swapping scene from the princess bride mm. uh, which is never a bad thing to be influenced by <laughs> yeah it's, it's really good fun uh, anything you can think of that's kind of a little bit more involved or a little bit? I'll avoid Battlestar Galactica because it's it definitely shines if you're a fan of the TV show. I'm, uh, it's definitely a, a much more involved game and it does mm-hmm. shine at six players. Uh, it's half game, half social deduction and well worth well worth checking out. But one that's slightly hard to find, but it, it's possibly one of the, the most, most interesting kind of tile laying variants. It's a game called Eruption. And you have, uh, it's a little bit Carcassonne in that you're drawing tiles. And the, the board is six-sided. It's basically a hexagon. The volcano's in the middle. And each of these tiles you take has lava paths on it. And you're basically trying to direct the lava into everybody else's villages while mm. trying to divert it away from yours by placing these lava flow tiles. And the the, the, the per- it's obviously the last man standing. Whoever's village stays the coldest. Mm. Uh, but it's full of petty vindictiveness and and revenge, which is always a, always a delight for for the people I play games with. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just turns it literally into scorched earth. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. You could put like barriers down, can't you? That kind of block it off or send it a different direction, and you're trying yeah. to save your stuff. Hold, but... hold it up for a little bit till you roll it. Yeah, dice. yeah. 
Straw yeah, seems a, to be the most most durable material. Yeah, like you say, really good fun. Yeah, it's good on that one. There's an interesting one. mechanic in that if you start punishing one person, if they if they're racing far ahead, they get the ability to really punish you back. Mm. Uh, so it it tends to kind of rein that in enough, I think. Yeah, uh, but yeah. It, it it plays so quickly that it again it doesn't outstay its outstay its welcome on the on the table. Yeah, uh, and yeah. one more that's a bit heavier is a game called Scoville, which is about chili farming. All right, yeah. It's it's definitely one of the crunchier six player games I'd say. And again, mm. you have a bunch of farmers, and you move move you move so many spaces a turn, and you collect these chili peppers. Uh, but you're trying to because they're all different colours and they're all spread randomly over the board. You're trying to collect kind of sets of them to to trade in for points, and you can combine various colours of them, you know, red and a blue, to make a kind of a, a black yeah. chili or a crystal mm. chili, which are worth massive amounts of points. But you can never retrace your steps. You can't move through people. So there's a little bit of planning your movements on the board, and there's a little bit of, of, of kind of collecting the, the coloured chilies you need. And it's, mm. it's a really nice... I'd, I'd like to say worker placement, but it's really not. It's kind of a grid movement set collection thing. If you were, if you were after a, an epic kind of all-day game, Twilight Imperium is a, probably a good one if you like that kind of thing. Uh, popular one at the club, one that gets played quite regularly. I think it goes up to eight, maybe, but six is like the sweet kind of the sweet spot of how many players it is. So if you're after a more longer kind of all day long, really get your teeth into it kind of game, that's a that's a good one. I, I was thinking about like um, you, you know the games that any number of people can play as well. There are a couple of those. So like some of the roll and write games, uh, number nine, things like that. Um, they can have any number of players as long as you've got enough enough pieces or enough pads you know for for people to write on you could play something like that as well that's probably more again more towards a lighter scale yeah, well i think we find for for like large large groups at least as large as we ever play monikers is up and telestrations at 12 mm. is, is unbeatable and monikers with a large group monikers is just hilarious with the <laughs> with the right people basically you, you get a you get a you get a set of cards and you mm. choose perhaps half of them. So you, everybody on your team chooses perhaps five from ten cards. So everybody should know five cards in your team's deck. Mm. Uh, and then it, you, you, each team has has this deck of cards, and basically each player gets one minute in the first round to describe the card without using the the kind of the title of the card. So. Mm. It's a little like, uh, I guess, is it dingbats or articulate something, something mm. of that nature, yeah, where yeah. you try to describe something. In the first round, you can say whatever you like, except the big title on the card. Uh, so again, everybody gets a minute, and you score how how many the team got right. In theory, you should get through most of them in the first round. It doesn't always work, <laughs> um, but in theory, that's the that that that's the case of the first round. The second round, however, you you do the same again with the same deck of cards. You don't change the cards. Mm but you're only allowed to use one word to describe the card. <laughs> uh, you're encouraged to act and, and, and whatever else and yeah. do charades, which is practice for the third round where you're not allowed to use any words at all. <laughs> uh, and when, when it's things like um, the cocaine bear or and, and things of that nature, it, it, it tends to just turn. <laughs> to be honest, more often than not, we don't even keep score because it's just too funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. to mine the hog roast. <laughs> um. <laughs> that does sound good. That one, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did. I did think of a couple that um, that I, I probably wouldn't suggest as well. So uh, one of my one of my favourite games is King of Tokyo. Uh, that plays up to six players, but I found at six players you probably a, a you're waiting for your turn a little bit too long. 
because everybody else has to go and decide what they're doing first. And then B, it's also got player elimination as well. So you get kind of, if you get knocked out, then the other three people can carry on playing for, you know, the 10, 15 minutes while you go sat twiddling your thumbs. So there's some there's some games that are, go up to six players that don't really, you know, that uh, you probably would avoid as well. Uh, any other games, or do you think that's... Um, I, I can come and come up with endless games there. Think... <laughs> go on, give us one more, go on. <laughs> one more. Um, I'll go with Deception. It's another Ooh, yeah, another vague, yeah, yeah. vague exception to my social deduction games. Yeah. Because, again, it's not left to be just purely social deduction. There's mm. other things going on. Uh, there's an element of storytelling uh, and a bit of murder mystery, which I say is a is a, is a kind of a favourite theme. Yeah. Um, De- Deception takes for me the best bits of the resistance, um, and then turns it into into fleshes it out into a little bit more of a game, perhaps half half resistance, half Cluedo. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think that's it for now. Then we've uh, we've waffled on long enough. <laughs> Scott, thank you very much for joining me. So it's, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for all your thanks all for your having experience. me. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, all our listeners, and uh, we'll talk to you again on the next one. We are Sheffield Board Gamers. Uh, So thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now.